Bienvenido al quinto episodio del Hot Esquina Podcast. Nosotros somos John y Enrique, dos cubanos con pasión de Yankees baseball. Today we're going to talk about the latest additions to the Yankees roster, some happenings in minor league camp, and many other things in the world of Yankees baseball. And we'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. Welcome back. Let's first talk about the trades and other players added in the last few days. Nosotros vamos a empezar con el, uh, hablar con Correa, porque anoche los, los Twins se firmó a Correa por tres años. Um, what else did they, um, what else did they sign for? I don't have the stats in front of me, Enrique. What's the, what was the, the money numbers? Well, John, first of all, welcome back. Glad to be on with you again, my brother. Um, the Twins signed Carlos Correa last night. For three years, $105.3 million. That contract includes opt-outs after the first two seasons, which basically will have Correa earning $35.1 million in each of the first three years of his of his deal. So the, the big thing with the Yankees um, that a lot of Yankee fans are upset at is there was a little bit of a money gap in getting Donaldson and Kiner Falefa um, with instead of getting Correa. But I understand what the Yankees' logic was because they they're going kind of all in on prospects uh, Volpe and Peraza. Peraza being the the quicker guy to get to the Bronx. Volpe only being in High A last year, he should hit Double A Somerset this year. So Kiner Falefa is kind of like a fallback guy to them in case Volpe and Peraza don't work out. So the frustrating thing that I understand the Yankee fans are frustrated at is essentially Connor Falefa and Correa have the same term contract, although obviously there's a money difference between the two of them. Um, so Enrique, you're more of the Yankee guy. Why don't you talk about um, the trade as far as Connor Falefa is concerned? Because uh, the Yankees did trade uh, earlier in the week, Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela for Donaldson, Kiner Falefa, and uh, catcher uh, Rortbet, who uh, we did find out just recently that has an oblique strain. So, um, Enrique, I'll have you talk about more of that aspect. Yeah. Um, first of all, that's not a good start to your Yankee career already starting injured. Um, hopefully, Ben Rortbet gets uh, healthy soon, you know, so then hopefully we can have that platoon that, that was supposedly speculated that was going to be the case between him and Higashioka going in. Um, but yeah, let's get into the trade. Um, the trade was Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela for Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kanafalefa, and Ben Rorfit, as you said. The details of the trade were as follows. Um, the Yankees, unlike the trades they made last year for Joey Gallo and, and uh, Anthony Rizzo, where they got the their respective teams, uh, the Cubs and the Rangers, to take on uh, the salaries for both Gallo and Rizzo. That didn't happen this time around. This time, the Yankees took on 
all of the salary for Josh Donaldson in this trade, which is 50 million over the next two years. Now, Gary and Gio were both owed 14.5 million this year. Then you look at <clears throat> Correa being signed for 105.3 million, as we said, and 35.1 million each of the first three years. Now, I'm no math whiz, but if you look at the numbers and you look at the length of the deal, number one, let's address the monkey in the room or the elephant in the room, whichever of the uh, analogies you wanna use. The Yankees helped the Twins make this move for Correa by taking on the Donaldson salary. Make no mistake about it. The Twins were not going to be in on Correa if the Yankees didn't make this move. Now, my whole thing and the take on a lot of Yankee fans is when you look at the combined salaries and you look at what they're going to be paying Donaldson, especially given his age, for $10 million more million, they could have had Correa and kept Gio and Gary. Now, would that have strapped them as far as making any other moves? Maybe. But you would have solidified shortstop. You know, I know the, the worry was, well, he's going to want a lot of years. Well, he signed for three. So it's the same amount of length that you have Kiner Falefa for. So right there, you would have had a better quality shortstop for the same amount of years you have a lesser quality shortstop for. Don't get me wrong. I like Kiner Falefa. And it does not preturb the arrival of Volpe or Peraza because it's a three-year deal. So in my opinion, John, I don't understand why they didn't just go in on Correa if at the end of the day, the length of the contract is the same and it's only a $10 million difference. Like what is going on here? This is the Yankees. I don't know. Um, pero la cosa que yo entiendo de... De los Yankees no lo gustaba como que estaba siguiendo Gary. Um, the Yankees didn't like the way that Gary was progressing. Um, they kind of wanted to get rid of him. The you know that that was a lot of the the internal buzz that I was that I was kind of hearing. Um, so I I get if that's what it took to get rid of Gary, and then make an improvement as far as uh, shortstop was concerned. I don't agree with getting rid of Gio. That was probably the, the biggest thing that, that my takeaway was with that. Donaldson, I don't understand what the logic was behind that. Kiner Falefa was kind of someone that I could see totally happening with everything that I was reading, but I don't know. I, I don't understand why they went after Kiner Falefa instead of Correa. I mean, yeah, you can say it's only $10 million, but maybe they're trying to use that $10 million and sign Judge. I realize that's not a good excuse. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't really know where, where to sit on that. Um, I guess we'll see, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Friday's opening game against the pirates. Um, 
but as as we'd mentioned before we started recording, um, Kyler Falefa had a had a pretty good appearance yesterday. No, and and he's good. Look, you're you're talking about a guy that has a 265 career batting average, 372 career hits, 118 RBIs, 16 homers, 316 on-base percentage, 354 slugging, 670 OPS, and an 81 OPS plus in four seasons. He also has 38 career stolen bases, which the Yankees need that speed on the base pass. So he's good. Don't get me wrong. I don't have anything against Falefa. I just feel like if it's the same number of years why not go for the better of the two you know what i'm saying it's because i think it's because if you have the opportunity to play volpe and peraza now i know this is going to sound crazy but if you have the opportunity to sit volpe and peraza it's a lot easier to sit kind of falefa than it is to sit correa and i don't know i don't know if that goes to the ego that correa has because you know he's going to come with an ego that's just part of the package Oh, so, yeah. and then the conversation is who's going to be easier to move to second or third, depending on what the situation is with Volpe and Peraza. And then who, who knows who else they're going to have? Cause Oswaldo Cabrera is another one that that's right behind them. He's going to be in triple a, I would imagine this year. So yeah. that's, you know, if that's the way that the Yankees are, are driven and that seems to be their direction that they're going is they're kind of going all in on the prospects then. But remember what I said to you, John, that it's it's three years for either or. You could have had Correa for three years, just like you could have, just like you're going to have Kiner Falefa for three years. So three years gives the kids time to come up and produce. Like if we were talking signing Correa for a six-year or seven-year deal, as opposed to Kiner Falefa for a three-year deal, then I would understand because Kiner Falefa would have given you the opportunity to not perturb or stop the kids from coming up. But if if it's a matter of three years for either or, and it's only a $10 million difference, I just don't know. Um, As far as Gary, I agree with you. Um, He to get, to use a, a term that's used a lot in, um, in football uh, with coaches when they ultimately get fired, uh, you hear a lot the term, they lost the locker room, right? They, they lost the players. Yeah. That happened with Gary and the pitching staff where three-fifths of the rotation didn't want to pitch to him anymore. That's not a good sign for a starting catcher when three-fifths of your rotation, including your ace, don't want to pitch to you. Not only that, but his last two years were underwhelming. I mean, who could forget his 2020 where he batted 204, literally at the Mendoza line. Um, <laughs> yeah, know, but at the, at the mean, same time, I mean, 2020 was a rough year for a lot of people. A lot of There's a lot of players that had a rough 2020, and, you know, it's I'm afraid that that might be the same case this year because – with, with such an abbreviated spring training that a lot of the guys aren't going to be able to get their reps in, especially the pitchers. I mean, I gotcha, but, but that was just the outlier as far as his worst. Oh no, hold on. My mistake, my mistake. He batted 147 in, in 2020, even worse. Yeah. 
it, it was 204 in 2021, my mistake. So you're talking his last two years, <laughs> he batted the Mendoza line last year and then batted less than 150 in 2020. That's not good. That's not good. Like, I feel like me and you could get called up to the majors and we'd hit that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't John? know. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not very good. I'm not very coordinated in that regard. But but then at the same time, would you rather have Gary or would you rather have a AAA kind of level catcher in Rortvet? And I guess it, it remains to be seen and we'll see what happens after he recovers from his oblique strain. But I mean, right now their go-to guy is going to be Higashioka. And yeah. I mean, I have respect for him because I saw him play in Tampa, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if, if that's really their plan, if they have more stuff cooking, because like, I, I think I'd said on a previous episode, their go-to guy I was expecting to be Donnie Sands. And he played for the Phillies in a spring training game yesterday because of the, they get rid of him. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then that's his batting. And let's not forget his, his fielding issues too. So I think that's another reason why the Yankees wanted to move on from him because, like I said before, uh, aside from his hitting, you know, and, and I get it. I get it. And, and the Gary supporters will say, well, yeah, you know, batting average aside, he hit a bunch of home runs. And yeah, you know, he has a career slugging percentage of 487, you know, uh, an 804 OPS, a 113 OPS plus. So yeah, you know, when he hits the ball, it goes a, a country mile, as they say. But it, it, it was everything else, John. It was, like I said, losing three-fifths of the rotation's confidence in him. You know, it, it literally your ace, Garrett Cole, didn't want to pitch to him at first, which at that point, you know, we just thought it was a Garrett Cole issue. Oh, Garrett Cole, he he needs a personal catcher or whatever, whatever. But then when you started seeing um, Corey Kluber not want to pitch to him too, you're like, hmm. And then there was one more guy that didn't want to pitch to him also, and I believe it was Tyone. So right there three-fifths of your starting rotation not wanting to pitch to you must say something about the way you're calling games. And then, you know, all the past balls. Remember the Mets series where he didn't tag the runner out at home? Like, it's – there were more negatives than positives in, in his game, you know? He was basically a glorified DH, you know? He, he could match home runs, but he was a liability defensively in calling games. Maybe the Yankees, and I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here, but maybe the Yankees wanted to go defense first with their catcher from now on and figured, you know what? We don't need a catcher that can mash and, you know, hit balls a country mile every time he bats. Maybe all we need from our catcher is, you know, just quality at bats and, and we just need him to be sufficient at the play. We don't need him to be our slugger. We have sluggers. All we need from our catcher is sufficient play at the plate and above average defense, which you did not have with Gary. So maybe that's the reason they went after Rorbet. I don't know. And, and by the way, I'm 100% with you. And this kind of goes into what you said earlier about Gio um, talking about defense. They're going to miss his defense. 
not that Donaldson is any slouch defensively. He's he's good. But man, Gio Urshela's defense at third was, I mean, it was wizardry, John. You know what I'm saying? Like the plays he would make, man. I remember there were certain plays that he would even dive for the ball and like throw to first base from like his butt cheeks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and or or from his side where he would sidearm it like the kid was a beast, you know? Um, and then he wasn't any slouch batting either. I mean, hell. He <laughs> he batted 314 in 2019 and 298 in two in 2020. Like he was, and he was literally one of our best players in the past two years in, in um 2021 before he started struggling in the latter half of the year and which I believe was the case because he was playing hurt so you know the Gary thing as much as you know I don't want to badmouth the guy because it was my son's favorite player and he was upset when the deal happened I'm not upset about the Yankees letting him go because I feel like it was time the geo one that one bothered me um, much like a lot of Yankee fans, but I mean, like the old saying goes, you got to give up something to get something right. You know? So, and with Rorvet, I mean, remains to be seen. The kid has only played 39 major league games and the stats in those 39 major league games are not very good. A 169 batting average, 15 hits, three home runs, seven RBIs. 281 slugging you know that's that's not that's not that impressive but I mean in the minors he hit 241 271 hits 21 home runs 134 RBIs 355 slugging and a 672 OPS so slightly better in the minors maybe when he got called up by Minnesota he wasn't ready that could be it maybe you you could you know, enlighten the audience more as far as that goes, because obviously you cover the minors more. Um, and with Kiner Falefa, I mean, what you're losing with defense at third base with Gio being gone, you're gaining it at shortstop with Kiner Falefa. The kid is, you know, he was a, a an all-star last year, and, and that's not by by coincidence. He's good. He's really good. And I'm excited to see what he'll bring to the Yankees, especially defensively and, you know, at the plate as far as being a contact first guy and a speed guy. And listen, not for nothing, but after experiencing the blunders of Glaber Torres at shortstop, I'm looking forward to having a solidified shortstop that can literally hold down the position and we don't have to hold our breath every time a ball's hit over there. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think a lot remains to be seen as far as how Kiner Falefa is going to handle uh, the Bronx because that's that's something that um, a lot of guys haven't really been able to handle in some cases, and maybe that was part of Gary's problem. I mean, who knows? Um, you know, that remains to be seen what happens in Minnesota. I, I wish the both of them the best of luck over there. Um, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Um pero ahora nosotros nos vamos a hablar del intercambio con Freeman por los prospectos. Me gustaría saber su opinión sobre este intercambio. 
Eh, bueno, mi opinión sobre Freddie Freeman es que yo siento que los Yankees tenían un, un buen chance de, de firmar a Freddie Freeman. I feel like they should have gone all in. I get it. You know, six years, 162 million. Maybe it was too rich for their blood. Tú sabes, oye, eso es un tremendo monto de dinero. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, it's not my money. You know, it's Hal's money. So the way I see it, if you have a chance to get a guy, and I believe we said this in the last podcast too, me and me and Matt, um, if you have a chance to get the top player at their respective position at a need, because let's face it, the Yankees had a need at first base when the season ended and Anthony Rizzo was a free agent and you didn't know what, what direction they were going to go in, whether they were going to keep Voight, whether they were going to keep Rizzo. You know, you had Matt Olsen up for grabs because everybody and their mother knew that Oakland was not going to keep him. You had Freddie Freeman, you know, basically you, you could see the writing on the wall as far as this time being up with Atlanta. So you had a need at first base. So when you when the stars align perfectly for you in sports, I don't care what sport it is. Whatever sport it is, when free agency comes and you have a need at a certain position, in this case, the need being first base and the top first baseman in the league is available and he's a lefty hitter which you need lefties in this lineup, I don't understand why they were not more aggressive and just went after it, you know? Pero eso también, eso la cosa con Correa, because they, they had the chance to sign Correa and they didn't. And so I don't know if, I don't know what their end game was. Puede ser, parece que ellos querían firmar a Rizzo mejor que Freeman, porque Rizzo no, no quería más tanto dinero como Freeman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, bueno. it, That could be the thing where, you know, if it's if it's how just a matter of being cheap, that's what it sounds like, because if it's if it's as as Yankee fans say on Twitter so much, quote unquote, it's just money. Um, then, yeah, they could have gone after Freeman. There's no reason for that. The same thing with Correa. They could have gone after Correa. There's got to be some other reason why they re-signed Rizzo. But at the same time, I have no reason to hate the Rizzo re-signing because I think he's going to do big stuff for us. Listen, hey, last year when, when he was with us, all, all he did was hit 249, hit eight homers, 21 RBIs, 43 hits, 428 slugging, and a 768 OPS and 110 OPS plus. He was good. He was good. Make no mistake. And he handled you know, playing in New York, like the old adage goes, can they handle New York and, and can they handle the pinstripes? He looked like he handled it just fine to me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, when you compare the contracts, I get it. You know, Rizzo, it was only two years, 32 million. You know, basically, if you do your math, that's what, 16 million a year. Yeah. Okay. 
You look at Freeman, six years, 162 million. That's considerably a lot more per year. So who knows? Like you said, maybe they're looking at, you know, having to re-sign Judge as, as a reason why they don't want to give that much annually to a guy. You never know. I know for sure, um, and I don't have the uh, the exact numbers in front of me, John, but with, with 2023 coming, or I believe it was 2024, one of these two years, you have a lot of money coming off the books if, if the Yankees should so want to. You have Zach Britton's deal that's coming off the books soon. You have Aroldis Chapman's deal that's coming off the books soon. So, and, and I'm sure there's more contracts there. I just don't remember the exact ones, but overall, man, you know, I get it. You want to re-sign Judge. I get it that who knows, maybe if he's not traded, maybe they want to invest in Glaber Torres long-term. Who knows, you know? Um, obviously you got Garrett Cole's gigantic contract on the books and that's not coming off the books anytime soon, but I mean, come on, it's the Yankees. It's not like they're strapped. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking about a small market team. We're not talking about the Oakland A's that are in full fire sale mode. You know, we're not talking about the local team down both local teams down here because you're up in Tampa either the Rays or the Marlins they you know we're talking about the New York Yankees and but they're at the, crying poverty I don't at get the same it, time though supposedly the Tampa Bay Rays were were in on Freeman so you know and that's that's the thing that blows my mind is if the Rays were in on Freeman so my take on that is I don't know if it's Stu Sternberg saying, hey, you know what? We're going after these guys. We're going to go big. And when 17,000 people show up, you know, it's it's not the team because you can't say that it's the team. Mm-hmm. They won the AL East last year. I think they were they won the AL East the year before they went to the World Series. So you can't say it's the team for the 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 people not showing up. So I think going after Freeman makes Sternberg look good as far as, hey, you know, I'm not I'm not just you know, treating the fans like crap because, you know, it's, it's not a good team because it is a good team. So yeah. Miami's a different story. Miami, you know, that's, that's, they're kind of almost in fire sale rebuild mode as it is, you know, that I'm sorry that you have to deal with all that down there, but um, <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. You know, that's just the way that that ownership works. So, I mean, listen, there's a reason our, our captain are always captain un- until they name Aaron Judge, a captain one day, Derek Jeter left this organization down here. They didn't want to spend. CC yeah. Sabathia said as much in his R2 uh, C2 podcast. You know, he was not happy with the fact that he set the Marlins up in a position where they were, where they had the flexibility to spend and Bruce Sherman didn't want to spend. But Alas, this is a Yankees podcast, not a Marlins podcast. So, you know, reverting back and and turning my attention back to what I was saying before about how you have no reason, even with an Aaron Judge extension looming, even with, you know, 
a Gary Cole contract on your books and young guys that, yeah, you might want to pay down the line like a Glaber Torres. I still don't see any reason why you didn't go all in on Freddie Freeman. You know, I let's say you it can is. make and you can make. Uh, sorry, John. I'm sorry. You could you could make a, an argument about not going after Matt Olson, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Because obviously, with Matt Olson, there was prospects involved. But as you and me both agree, with a Freddie Freeman, with a Carlos Correa. All we're talking about is money. And like I said, I'm sorry. You're the New York Yankees. You don't get to cry poverty like the Pittsburgh Pirates, like the Oakland A's, like the Miami Marlins, like a lot of these quote-unquote small market teams. Sorry, you're the Yankees. You have money. Spend it. Well, and that's what I was going to say. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, because this is what Hal said when he was questioned about this, let's say it is the money because he was crying poor referencing the lack of games that happened in 2020 and then they had to make uh, bond payments and all this other stuff. Let's say that's the case because their numbers aren't public. I think that the Braves are the only ones that make their numbers public. So let's say, let's say that's the case. Let's just take his word for it. What I can say from personal experience, having covered the Tarpons, we're the only franchise um, as far as the teams go for the minor league teams the Tarpons get their money directly from the Yankees as far as running the team goes. The Tarpons weren't given a budget to make player cards for 2021. So fans missed out on cards for Volpe and uh, Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells and Elijah Dunham and all those awesome prospects that we saw come through Tampa. The Hudson Valley Renegades, at the end of the year, they made an extra couple cards for Volpe and Wells and, and Dunham and a lot, of, a lot of those other guys that ended the year in, in Hudson Valley because they knew they could take advantage of the extra sales that they would get. So that'll kind of give you an idea of, like I said, I'm not really necessarily sticking up for the Yankees, but I can just speak on what I see personal experience. And the Tarpons had such a skeleton crew last year. You know, I felt bad for a lot of the people that, that worked there because you had different employees that were doing three, four five different jobs that would have, were essentially condensed down into one, one person compared to what I saw in 2019. It was a way different experience. I'm told that this year is supposed to be a lot better, but looking at the schedule and as far as promotions go, I'm not keeping my hopes up. So, you know, what? it very well could be that they, that they're struggling for money. Now that being said, I mean, they have a lot more of the bank account than I do. I have 36 cents. So, I mean, yeah, I can cry poor. I hear you. Oh, brother, I hear you. We're in the same boat. I mean, listen, uh, again, if you own a major league team, and like I said, this goes even to the quote-unquote small market teams. If you own a major league team and you're crying poverty, you shouldn't be owning a team. That's I'm it. sorry. I'm well, it's sorry. just it's just like Monfort was complaining about Colorado, and then people were saying, you know what? If you're going to complain about that, then you need to go. You need to go away. Sell your team. Sell it to someone who wants to own a team and wants to invest in it, and actually wants to spend players yeah. on on players on on the fan experience on everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not gonna, like you said, invest and 
put your all into owning a franchise, you shouldn't be owning a franchise. If you look at it as a way to just make money for yourself, and I get it, I get it. It is a business, quote unquote, a business, I get it. But it's also a team. You own a sports team. The point of sports is to win, you know? It's not like you're owning a Fortune 500 company that, you know, you're trading stocks and whatever, and it's all about, you know, the, you know, stocks going up and down and, 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 you know, getting the most out of your assets or whatever the case. No, you own a sports franchise that happens to be a professional sports franchise, which makes you money. But, but the end, the point is, and the, Bottom line is it's a sports franchise at its core value. It is a sports franchise. And the point we play sports is to win. I don't know about you, John, but even when I was in little league, I wanted to win and look no further. Listen, listen, look no further than across town. Look what happened with, with the Mets when they had the Wilpons owning them. And they were a laughing stock, and they were basically what we are now, always crying poverty, even though they're the Mets, and they would make stupid decisions all the time. They would not do what, what needed to be done. And the Wilpons always were like made every excuse to not spend. Look what happened the moment Steve Cohen took over for that franchise. They're basically what we used to be. You know what I'm saying? The Mets have become the new Yankees and the Yankees have become the new Mets. And now you have Hal Steinbrenner crying poverty. Sorry, dude, you don't get to cry poverty. If small market teams don't get to cry poverty, you sure as heck don't get to cry poverty. I'm sorry, you don't. So going back to, to what we were saying, no, there is no reason they didn't go after Freddie Freeman. Eso es basura, eso es Yo no quiero decir nada más la palabra, John, so I'm not going to say it, pero eso es pura, tú sabes qué. Yeah. And Freddie Freeman debería ser un Yankee en este punto. Okay? I am not against Rizzo being here. Like I said, I like what he brought. But again, much like my point about Correa and Kiner Falefa, you have Kiner Falefa who's good, but you could have had Correa who's better. You have Anthony Rizzo who's good, but you could have had Freddie Freeman, who's better. Why settle when you're the New York Yankees for someone who's good when you could have had someone who's better? I don't get it. I think a lot of it is, um, and I'll, I'll kind of get into uh, what my original point was um, when I first asked the question. I think a lot of it is looking down the line. They're not really in a win-now mode. They're in a, you know, we'll see how how much we can get by, and then we're going to go all in on the prospects because, Freddie Freeman asked for, I think it was a six-year contract that he signed with the Dodgers or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, six so, years, $162 million. So if you look at down the line, the prospects, and look, you know, you can accuse me all you want of prospect talking. That's just, that's kind of my job. I talk about prospects, you know? So if you look at like, well, and we can get into, I'll get into it now. You know, Friday is opening game. We're recording on Saturday the day after um against the pirates andrew chaparro looked really good at first base um he's the highest he's been was in high a he played a little bit in the way tampa he ended the year in hudson valley 
he's definitely someone that they're kind of betting big on as far as first base goes. Most of the time he's been a third baseman, but because of his size, you know, he's not the skinniest guy out there. Um, they want to put him at first base. He looked really, really good. He made a really good play from um, Jesus Bastidas. Um, they were doing a double play. And then Volpe threw a ball offline to uh, Chaparro. And Chaparro prevented it from going into the dugout. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he got the out. I don't remember. But uh, it, either way, you know, he prevented it from going way too offline. So I don't know if that's really where their direction is when the media met with the front office uh, staff and some of the coaches, they were speaking high on Eric Wagaman. Wagaman played a little bit yesterday. Um, it, it sounds like they're really going all in on the prospects, whether that's the right direction or not, you know, that remains to be seen. They're a couple of years off, but, you know, I keep mentioning this to people on Twitter. You look at the way the Yankees were in the nineties, 92, you know, I was little 92, 93, 94. They weren't really the best thing ever. At the same time, this Yankee, the Yankee roster that they have right now is a lot better than the Yankees were in the early 90s. Then you look oh. at who you look at who came up in the mid 90s, 95, 96. You know, you had Jeter, you had Mariano, you had Bernie Williams, you had Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit. Those are legendary Yankee names. A lot of them, I think all of them were all homegrown. You had a couple like Scott Brocious were trades and, you know, that kind of thing. Paul O'Neill. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of legendary Yankees there, but a good majority, when you look at the 90s Yankees, a lot of them were homegrown. And look, I get it. The, the, the fans can't really trust in the process because we've been, as fans, we've been burnt on so many bus. I get it. Mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. seen it, you know. But at the same time, I'm telling you, this group of prospects is something that I believe in. I don't take that lightly. You know, I'm going to tell you the way it is. I'm only going to ask you one thing, John, you, I, and I'm with you, I'm with you. And, and by the way, completely agree with you as far as us being burnt so many times, look no further than when we were praised about Jesus Montero being the next greatest thing. And then he was shipped off for Michael Pineda that I'll never forget that. And he was supposed to be like the next best catcher for us. He was supposed to be the heir apparent to Jorge Posada and that never came to fruition. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. You, you say you don't feel like the Yankees are in win now mode. Why would they not be like you have, this is your, your window is now with Garrett Cole being 31 years old, Aaron judge being 29 and Giancarlo Stanton being 32. Most of your star players are either in their 30s already or about to be in their 30s. Um, and when I say 30s, I obviously mean early 30s, aka their prime. Yeah. Would it now be the time to win while you have these guys in their prime as opposed to a few years down the line? I'm just, again, try, trying to play devil's advocate and kind of trying to, you know, engage you here and and ask yeah. you you know would it now be the time to win as opposed to a few years down the line when these prospects are ready but but the guys i mentioned are in their mid-30s and maybe not in their prime anymore i mean you would think so like like you said you bring up a good point you have stanton judge cole 
Um, I mean, Higgy, he's not the worst catcher ever. You know, he can, he can hit. He's better defensively than Gary is. I mean, yeah, you would think with those kind of guys, and especially going after someone like Donaldson, um, you know, he can, he can hit pretty decently too. And you, you mentioned Kiner Falefa's numbers. It very well may be that they're, they're a win now mode because Hal was quoted as saying that they're a championship caliber team. Donaldson, by the way, is 36 years old. So he's already yeah. in that late 30s stage where he, he'll decline any moment now. So, yeah, but then, you know, you can bring up age, but you look at what Brett Gardner did last year. He was, he's in his, what, late 30s? He was still hitting bombs. You know, I don't really take age too much as if you can still perform considering your age. Look, I'll tell you what, you know, I might be 34, but these guys can outperform me any day. You know, so, I mean, it's it's just a matter of the way that you look at it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, Gardner was hitting bombs last year, but he was not the same Brett Gardner that we've seen a few years back. And that's what I mean. You could still be performing at a later age in your career. Hell, when we had Alex, he was still hitting home runs. Literally the year they forced him to retire, he was still yeah. hitting home runs. Same so I don't... Yeah. So I don't look into that. Yeah. Jeter, he, hello, his, one of his very last games, he hit a walk-off hit. So performing in your latter years is a tricky situation as far as, uh, you know, using it as a way of judging if a player is still good because they could still be performing in the latter parts of their career. But what you got to remember is, are they performing how they used to you know, a few years prior, or how is, is their performance in the latter part of their career in contrast to, to what their performance was when they were in their prime? Like how far have they fallen off since their prime to that latter part in their career? Are you going to tell me that what you saw from Brett Gardner last year was similar to what we saw in prime Brett Gardner? No, no, not at all. He's, He's fallen off quite significantly, and that's what you don't want. You know, you don't want to be winning and having your championship window being when these guys are far from the player they used to be when they were in their primes, which, again, is arguably what you have now with Garrett Cole, albeit let's see what he does this year uh, after all that sticky stuff, um, you know, dilemma and, and controversy that was going on. You could argue that's what you have with Judge and Stanton. They're studs in the prime of their careers, especially Judge. And we all saw what Stanton did last year. He rejuvenated his career once he started playing the the outfield more. So I feel like now's the time. And I feel like now is when you should feel that you you would be in win-now mode, that you should be in win-now mode and just look at the Volpes and the Parazas and these kids as icing on the cake that what that in a dream scenario and in a perfect world scenario, you're winning now and you have these kids come up when you're already a winning team and they're just an additional piece. You know, they're the icing on top of the cake that that's already a championship cake, so to speak. You feel me? So that's my take. I don't know if you agree, but um I, I feel like that's the case with with um the current state of the Yankees that they they can't afford to wait till later. They have to think of winning now. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then, I mean, the thing is, and, and we can get into the Voight uh, trade slash money dump. I don't know if, I guess it remains to be seen what happens with Justin Lang. And I'll get into a little bit of um, my take on it, but there was really no place for Voight. You know, like he was, especially if you have, when you have DJ, I guess he can play first. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. But then the, there's the, the thing is, I don't know where you're going to put DJ now. Is he going to play second? And then you have Rizzo play first. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of what if, you know, you got to give guys days, the days off and, you know, all this other thing. So um, I think the, the Voight trade makes sense. Um, but if you're in a win now mode, why don't you make Voight your DH? I mean, I get a lot of guys, a lot of people don't like the way that the, the situation with Voight was going, you know, he was getting a little long in the tooth, but um, you know, what's before I get into uh, my take on Justin Lang, what's, what do you think of the getting rid of Voight and then um, the salary dump with that? I feel like the the situation with, with Luke Voigt got soured ever since last year. I mean, his biggest enemy was himself as far as being available. He got hurt too often and he didn't do himself any favors missing as many games as he did. I don't have the number in front of me right now, but I'm pretty sure it was, it was a lot of games, a substantial amount. Um, that's the reason they traded for Rizzo, make no mistake about it. They needed to win. They felt like they were, you know, in a spot to contend for a World Series last year. And with all the games Luke Voigt was missing, they saw an opportunity with Rizzo out there on the market and they went for it. And the minute Rizzo was brought in, you remember Luke Voigt's comments that he was happy about Rizzo being there, but he also at the same time made a comment about, well, I'm happy he's here, but now what's going to happen with me? You know, I'm here to play. I want to play. So, I mean, the minute that happened, you could tell the relationship was soured. And when the relationship gets soured like that, between player and organization, most of the time, the the end result is that player either gets traded or released. So the Voight thing, it did not surprise me at all. What did surprise me, and I know you're going to get into him, is the fact that we only got um, a Justin Lange for him and we didn't get more of a return, especially after Voight was literally, if I'm not mistaken, the leader in home runs in 2020 like the guy was a monster in in 2020 he led the league so I mean I get it it was a down year in 2021 but how could you not get more for him in a package from from San Diego I just don't understand that but um but yeah I agree with you I agree that there was no room for him um especially after Rizzo was brought back for two years, $32 million. At at that point, the writing was on the wall that Voight was going to be gone. Um, I get your point that maybe you could have used him as your DH. Pero, ¿tú sabes cómo es la cosa con los Yankees, John? Que ellos, ellos le gustan usar esa posición para usar diferentes jugadores ahí para darle un día libre. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They like to use that position as a rotating door to give guys days off um, or half days off if, if we're being specific. Yeah. Um, they don't, 
have one designated hitter, one pure designated hitter. So if you would have brought back Voight as your pure designated hitter, that that position was his, then that takes away what Aaron Boone likes to do as far as, you know, for example, giving Judge a half day off and just having him hit so then he doesn't have to play the field because, you know, nowadays in 2022, it doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. You know, we're living in an era where maintenance is a key now with these managers where they like to perform maintenance on their players and keep them healthy for the postseason. And in baseball, especially now with the designated hitter being brought to the National League, you're going to see a lot of managers use that spot as a way of you know, performing player maintenance and keeping guys fresh for the postseason, especially guys they feel that can't stay healthy all the time for a full 162-game season. So the writing was on the wall, man. I, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I love Luke's energy. I love seeing that hop step when he hit home runs, you know. The, and you could tell he was a blast to be around in the dugout. Like you saw the shots of him with the guys in the dugout and you could tell he was beloved. So this one, much like the Gio one hurts because just like Gio, I feel like Luke was beloved and not just by, by the players, but even by the fans. So it's, it's going to suck, but it is what it is. The writing was on the wall and, we are where we are, you know, it's, it's uh, Anthony Rizzo's time now until, you know, they either bring up one of the guys from the minors that you're talking about, or they go after another first baseman in two years when Rizzo's deal is up. We'll see. Yeah. So getting into the return for uh, Luke Voigt going to uh, the Padres, uh, Justin Lang is a right-handed pitcher uh, coming from the Padres organization. Lang pitched for the Arizona Complex League Padres, which is the rookie level. That's kind of where everybody starts off uh, in 2021, uh, throwing a 6.95 ERA in 22 innings with a 1.50 whip, which really isn't as awful as his ERA sounds. You know, seven ERA isn't really the best, but a 1.5 whip isn't awful either. Um, he gave up 17 earned runs in those 22 innings. The complex league is a little difficult to read sometimes because of the wide variety of talent at times. Um, there wasn't any video as far as him throwing in um, the Padres complex league. Um, Pinstripe prospects is a little unique as far as what we cover because there's not a lot of teams around um, the country that get a lot of coverage like what Pinstripe prospects provides. So all the video I could find was of a Lange pitching in high school. Um, I can see the high risk, high ceiling that I've seen from some scouting reports and some, some commotion on Twitter. Uh, Lang has some, has a much slower drawn out windup facing lefty batters versus righty batters, which I found a little odd. Um, his leg kick is slower on uh, when facing lefties than righties which I don't know if that's a timing thing, you know, trying to throw off the, the batters or the runners. Um, maybe that might be something that you, the Yankees work on. Um, when scouted by a fellow colleague with Prospects Live, uh, which is a website that I'll be writing for uh, coming up in 2022, Lang was said to have a 40 command, which I agree with. Um, I would say probably about a third of the balls that I saw him throw were over the plate. There was one that went, you know, way wild outside. 
um, kind of almost towards third base kind of thing. That was high school. That was uh, 2020, I think, uh, was what the video was from. Um, when looking further into the scouting, for those that aren't as familiar with it, a 50 is considered average and a 45 is considered below average. So when you have a 40 command, you know, it's not the best thing ever, but I don't doubt that that's something that the Yankees can work on. Um, Lang is said to have a pitching assortment of fastball cutter, slider, and changeup, but all of those pitches aside from the fastball and especially the changeup are said to be a bit raw and need some work. Um, but again, you know, that you look at someone of this level and I saw a comparison with Tyrone Uli. I, I can kind of see that because both of them throw hard. They can get upper 90s, sometimes break triple digits, um, which is impressive, but it doesn't really matter if you're going to throw it outside, you know, and hit someone that's in the batter's box. So I'm expecting to see Lang on the Tarpons this year. So hopefully I'll have a little bit better of a take as we get further into the season. I'll have more video that we can look at and that kind of thing. Don't you feel though, John, that the Yankees could have gotten more for Luke Voigt than just Justin Lang? Like, don't you feel? Oh, of course. Like... Yeah, okay. like there are some of the rumors that I was seeing was going for Blake Snell. I thought that was maybe a little bit overachieving. Um, but yeah, I think we could have seen uh, a better return um, for Voigt than a complex league pitcher. That was that's what made it apparent that it was a money dump. You know, they were trying to offload some salary. Maybe that was because of taking on the, the Donaldson contract because it was what, 50 million or something like that, that they took on something, something crazy for, for what 50 it is. Million over the next two years. Yeah. I, I said that earlier yeah. in the podcast, he's owed 50 million over the next two seasons. Um, owed two. Um, yeah. 50, 50 million over the next two seasons and he's owed 22 million this year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of. I don't know what, what Voight was expected to make this year. Um, I don't have those, those stats, but that's the only thing that makes sense to me. You know, if they didn't want to go after a Blake Snell, which the Yankees need pitching. So Blake Snell would have been a perfect fit. You know, he's sometimes a little bit of a screwball, but you know, it's, if, you get a dominant pitcher like Blake Snell. He was the ace on the, on the Rays. Yankee fans, I'm sure are more than familiar with what Snell was capable of. He would have been a perfect fit for the Yankees, but at the same time, it could be that San Diego wasn't willing to part with him and the Yankees weren't willing to take on that contract. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I'm with you because a lot of people, on Twitter, I remember, you know, Yankees Twitter can be such a volatile place, John. You you more than anyone knows yeah. that because you interact with them a lot. I, I see um, a lot of them thought after the Luke Voigt trade that um, that that was the sign that maybe a Carlos Correa was coming because they figured, OK, you know, they took on the 50 million in the Donaldson trade. Maybe they they traded Void to free up some space to be able to make, make a run at, at Carlos Correa. So when they didn't do that, that's why, you know, I don't know about you, but when I logged into Twitter this morning, man, everybody is pretty much losing their minds over okay. not getting him because of this, because of those two things, because of the fact that you took on 50 million dollars over two seasons for a player that's 36 years old and you traded Luke Voigt which again there was no place for him but still you traded him in what you 
yourself just said is a salary dump. What did you clear that salary for then? You know what I'm saying? Like it, it just, I don't get it. And I feel like <laughs> as a Yankee fan, I'm, I'm 100% with a lot of Yankee fans all over Yankees Twitter and just in general where my head is spinning trying to figure out what how Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman are trying to accomplish here. I, I, I have no clue. They have me lost at this point. I don't know. Well, um, so we'll wrap up the, uh, the trades and other players uh, well, added by discussing uh, Olsen. Uh, what's up? No, that's, that's what I was going to get into. Yeah, so, <laughs> Sorry. So Matt Olsen was traded to uh, the Blue Jays. Blue no, Jays. the Braves. The Braves, John. What do I think of the Blue Jays? Who went to the Blue Jays? Matt Chapman. Oh, I have the wrong Matt. Oh, well. Yeah. Matt so, Chapman was traded to the Jays, which that's going to be a problem when you got uh, Ulysses Gurriel Jr., when you have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., when you have Kevin Biggio, when you have um, Bo Bichette, and now you add a Matt Chapman to that infield and overall batting lineup. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Well, I am not looking forward to facing the Blue Jays this it's, year, let me tell it, you, John. I think that's going to be um, a battle for the, the top of the AL East between the Jays and the Rays because the Yankees, who knows, it, it, they very well could be in contention with number one, but that, you know, that that should make an, an interesting um, couple series between those two teams. And don't discount Boston as much as I can't stand them. And, and, you know, it, it pains me to give them a compliment ever. I was going to say, I don't, I don't want to talk about Boston, <laughs> but, but think about it, John, they didn't lose anybody. The only person they lost was um, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. That's literally the only person they lost. I forgot who he signed with, but they lost him to free agency, but they're pretty much bringing back the same team that got them within inches of the world series yeah so if i'm not mistaken right wasn't wasn't them was it them that that lost in the alcs or was it uh um houston that lost in the alcs last year i don't remember i don't remember either i don't remember what i had for breakfast today i don't know i don't know what happened (laughs) last year um but yeah no regardless uh they got to the alcs last year with pretty much the team that they brought back. So don't discount Boston. They're going to be right there. Um, yeah, they did lose in the NDA LCS to Houston. I just saw it. I, I wasn't paying attention. I'm one of these fans. Um, and yeah, criticize me all you want, um, listeners, but I'm one of these fans that once the Yankees are eliminated from the playoffs, I don't want to know, yeah. I, you know, tell me later who won. I don't want to watch if the Yankees are not playing. I, if that makes me any less of a baseball fan, so be it. But I bleed pinstripes. And for me, when they're not playing, I could care less. But yeah, you're looking at pretty much the same ALCS team from last season with the exception of a Kyle Schwarber. And if I'm not mistaken, watch out, John, because they're in the mix for Trevor's story, just like we are. So I'm hoping after losing Correa that, you know, the fallback plan, and, and I know we were going to get in on Olsen, but I just figure I, I'd bring this up to you and get your take on this um, because you brought up a good point. What do you do with uh, DJ now? 
Do you play him at second? What do you do with Glaber? Well, I feel like the answer is if you beat out Boston, and I'm sure there's other teams involved. I haven't seen the latest rumors of who else is involved. But if you beat out Boston and the other teams involved for Trevor Story, and you bring in a Trevor Story, you could trade Glaber Torres to Oakland for pitching. I know that was something, and, and this will be a perfect segue into the Olsen trade because I remember when before Atlanta traded for Matt Olsen, there were a lot of Yankee fans, myself included, that figured you could send Oakland a Glaber Torres a Luke Voigt, because Luke was still on the team at that time, obviously, and some middle-tier prospects, and you could get a Matt Olsen and maybe one of their pitchers, either a Sean Manaya or a Freddie Montas, after obviously Bassett was, you know, traded to the Mets. So Montas and Manaya are still available. I don't see how the Yankees wouldn't be able to sign a Trevor Story and then ship Glaber off to Oakland for one of those guys. So I'll, this, and this kind of ties together. If you look at uh, Twitter user Yankee Librarian, um, he put up a good tweet, which led to an Instagram post looking into the, the trade values. And basically the Yankees would have to sell the farm just like what happened to get Olsen. Um, it would, you'd, you'd have to ship off something like six players. Now he didn't put in the value of, uh, Glaber. So I don't know what his value is as far as gating Manaya or Montas. But if you look at the way that the values worked, it was, it was like, you'd have to basically strip the rest of your, your pitching staff in the minors, like any of the usable halfway decent guys that have a chance to throw this year for the Yankees. Um, and something like that doesn't really make sense. You know, why would you, why would you ship off eight guys to get two two guys that may or may not work out? Because like we've said previously, New York is, is a tough place to play. I mean, yeah, yeah. Look what happened the last time we traded for an Oakland pitcher. <laughs> Didn't work out good for us. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you look at Sonny Gray, I mean, he didn't, that was another trade as far as Oakland was concerned. And I mean, yeah, he's an arm, but he didn't really perform as well with the Yankees as he performed with the Reds. I think he's with another team now. Um, Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. So that's just another, it's like Minnesota is becoming the, the New York Yankees of the Midwest in a way. Yeah. Yeah. They um, got, they got Gary Geo, Sonny Gray, and uh, now they added Correa to the mix. So Minnesota is going to be definitely uh, better than the, than the punching bag that we're used to. But I mean, come on, John, do you really think that Montas or Manaya would fold under the pinstripes like, like Sonny Gray did? Sonny Gray, Who knows? I remember even when we traded for him, there was a, a beat reporter that came on with uh, the Bronx uh, pinstripes um, pro- podcast. Um, and she pretty much was like, you know, I'm I'm going to be very interested to see if Sonny could handle it because Sonny, even being here in Oakland, it was a head case. Like he, he, he's a character. He's definitely different. So that right there was a warning and an outlier that, gee, maybe you're taking a gamble on this kid. 
Um, I haven't heard anything like that about Montas or Manaya. I haven't heard anything about them being head cases or them being, you know, different or or any character issues or warnings that may play into effect if they if they sign with the Yankees. Um, have you? I, I don't think I have. So no, I mean I don't really pay too as much attention to um the trades because there's there's a lot of stuff out there on Twitter, you know, and it's like you said before, it's accessible, you know, mm -hmm. as as far as the trades and the what ifs and the oh my god, the world's gonna come to an end because we didn't get this guy. <laughs> but um getting back on track with the Olsen trade, um, yeah, I mean the Braves gave up a lot of prospects, and from what I was reading, the ask for for Olsen was you're going to have to give up the farm and it's going to be the top handful of prospects. And with the way that they're going all in on the infield Volpe Peraza, there's no way that the Yankees would give up Volpe Peraza, Jason Dominguez, Austin Wells. Like that's the kind of ask that from what I understand the A's wanted. And with the fire sale that the A's are doing, it makes sense to go after the prospects. That being said, I feel really bad for A's fans right now. Yeah, because I mean, they, 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 I was reading they raised the ticket prices last year. So you're basically, you're going to have an Orioles team who has a triple A team at best play in what should be a football stadium. Um, I think it's a football stadium, right? Are they selling the, 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 the Coliseum? I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, sure. The, I'd the have football to look stadium that up. slash baseball stadium kind of thing. But I mean, that place isn't really conducive to baseball either way because they have the yeah they have the the wide um foul areas if i remember correctly so yeah there's still it's it's the ring central coliseum so yeah. i believe that's their old stadium i don't think they have i know there was rumors that they were going to move into a new stadium but i don't know if that ever came to fruition or it's if this is the new stadium i don't pay attention to a's baseball admittedly but it's the same the situation reason. as the Rays, I think, where it's, yeah, we're going to build a new stadium and then it never happens because of politics mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, man, you know, that I feel bad for them too, you know, but I, I remember, <clears throat> I remember uh, recently in a Twitter spaces that I, that I did, um, we actually had, funny enough, an A's fan come into that Twitter space. And we even asked him, um, the people on the Twitter space, they asked him, they were like, hey, have you heard the latest rumors on Olsen and possibly being traded? And we asked him, would you want Glaber Torres on, on the A's? And even that A's fan that hopped on the Twitter spaces with us was like, I know the A's won't do it. They don't like guys that are arbitration eligible. They don't like guys that are going to be paid soon. They want guys under contract. That's the way our owner is. So I feel like, to your point, the fan base might be sad. But at the same time, I feel like at this point, they know what their owner is. Kind of like what we know, what we have with Hal Steinbrenner at this point. So they might be numb to it at this point. Like, eh. It's what we expected, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Rays where you look at all the talent that the Rays have, have traded away for, like, you have Evan Longoria, Blake Snell. I mean, the list goes on. I'm surprised that they're still hanging on to someone like Kevin Kiermeyer. 
mm-hmm. because that's and that seems to be the direction that the Yankees are going, where they're going to build around their prospects. And and speaking of prospects, John, to get to your point, um, yeah, I mean, listen, the the A's got literally the Braves' number one prospect, Christian Pash, their number two prospect, Shay Langeliers, and two more prospects on top of that. So there was no way the Yankees were going to beat that. Like basically, what the A's got from from Atlanta was the it's it's the equivalent of us giving them Dominguez and Volpe and two mid-tier guys or upper level guys but not as good as obviously Dominguez and Volpe and with the way this team seems to be going the direction they seem to be going even even by your own words because you just said it they seem committed to their prospects there's no way they were going to give up Dominguez or Volpe much less both like that doesn't seem to be in their in their plans so I mean that basically if you wanted a Matt Olsen that was going to be the only way you were going to make it happen by by giving up Dominguez Volpe and two or three more prospects like I feel like that's the only way you were going to beat Atlanta's deal and you know it is what it is um I was one of those fans that wanted Olsen. I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I wanted Freeman more, but I wouldn't have been against getting Olsen because he's younger, you know? And just like Freeman, a lefty, and he's also a great defender at first base as well. So I would have been fine with either or, but yeah, man, at that price, there was no way the Yankees were going to get in on that. Yeah. Um, so now we'll get into um, some thoughts on yesterday's opening game against the uh, Pirates as far as spring training goes. Um, as I'm sure a lot of you know, there hasn't been a lot of time as far as getting the players uh, warmed up and, and accustomed as far as uh, spring training stuff goes. It's not going to be a normal spring training. So we, we did see a lot of minor league uh, players play against the Pirates yesterday. We did see a couple new names as far as who is on the, uh, the Yankees 40 man. So Kinder Falefa was the lead off. You know, he, he had a, a pretty decent appearance. He had two hits and three at bats. Uh, we saw Jose Peraza was, who was a recent pickup. He started at first base uh, and Aaron Ciarte, uh, started in center Um Evans, a new pickup, uh, was at first. Brantley, who primarily played AAA last year, was in uh, was the catcher. I'm thinking he's probably going to be the backup guy now that Rortvet is uh, out with an oblique strain. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But fans did get a chance to see Anthony Volpe play yesterday. Everson Pereira, who was added to the 40-man. Uh, Jesus Pastidas, Eric, Eric Wagaman, uh, Max Burt. Um, there's a lot of good names that played yesterday. Unfortunately, the Yankees did lose four to three. That was a result of uh, the loss going to Braden Bristow. Um, he, um, he just, he didn't really have it yesterday, but you know, I got to give props to Hayden Wesneski. Um, he only gave up two hits, one earned run in three innings. You know, that's for a, a, a opening game, you know, just kind of getting thrown out there. I think that was a good appearance. Yeah. He um, looked good. He looked good. I saw him. 
one of the guys that I've really liked seeing um, in camp um, was Mitch Spence. He pitched one inning. He only gave up a walk, you know, no hits, no earned runs. So, you know, kudos to him. I see big things mm-hmm. happening this year with him. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it remains to be seen what happens with spring training. Um, I'm kind of expecting, you know, as, as time goes on this next week, you're going to see a lot of minor league guys. And I'm kind of almost thinking, what are we going to see as far as the, the, the season goes? Because the season's only, what, three weeks away as far as when it starts. These guys aren't going to get enough time to get in their, their reps, get in enough pitches. And the, the biggest concern that I understand, especially with the reporters, they were asking this, what's going to happen with the pitchers? Because that makes them more injury prone if they're rushed to get warmed up, get accustomed to throwing nine innings. We said this. We said this while we were in the lockout. Remember, yeah. John, that yeah. that's, this is going to come back on the pitchers, remember? <laughs> yeah, so getting Hayden Wesneski, getting Marinaccio uh, to, to make appearances yesterday, I think that's kind of hinting at what we're going to see as far as the first couple weeks, maybe the first couple months, because who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it remains to be seen – you, you want to talk about load management like we talked about earlier with, with the DH position. You're definitely going to have to use that same strategy with pitchers this year as far as how many innings you let them throw. Maybe you have them on a pitch count at, at least to start the year until, they're warm, until their arms get ramped up. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, about yesterday's game, John, couple of things that caught my eye. I know I mentioned this to you off air, but how smooth did Anthony Volpe look as short, man? Like, my gosh, like, it's one thing to see highlights of the kid, you know, like on Twitter or whatever, and like highlights of training camp and all that, but to actually see him get in-game action with the big club, so to speak, um, because obviously his spring training, he's not playing with all the the players on the big club around him. But still, you know, it still counts. He's getting exposure. He's playing in front of Aaron Boone, not the minor league manager. And to see him make the plays he did yesterday so smoothly, you know, it looked effortless. It looked like he wasn't even trying. It, it's really refreshing to see that. And that's something that when the reporters were in Tampa, you know, they're looking at a lot of the, the different things, the way that the minor leaguers play. And that was kind of the vibe that I was getting from them. You know, like they're the minor leaguers are a lot more aggressive when it comes to base running. The, the plays that they make are a little different than what you see in the majors. And they're like, this is a totally different. It almost seems like a different organization, you know, with how aggressive, especially with how aggressive they were on base running, because, that seems to be a gripe uh, as far as Yankee fans, from what I understand. Now, again, I didn't follow the Yankees too much last year. I had my hands full with covering the Tarpons and the Complex League guys. Um, so I'm a little used to seeing the aggressiveness as mm-hmm. far as um, running and that kind of thing. But, yeah, like I'm watching the game and and I didn't think anything of it because, again, that's the Volpe that I'm accustomed to. Um, but there was, like you mentioned, he was making things look effortless. Volpe, Bastidas, and Chaparro turned a really pretty double play. Um, who knows? That could be a combination that we see in a couple of years. Bastidas was in double-A Somerset last year, so 
he might be up next year. Chaparro was in high A Hudson Valley last year when he ended the season. I would expect him to be in Somerset to replace Bastidas. You know, 2024, we could see that trio turn in a double play. You have Oswaldo Caprera, I, sh- I would imagine, gets a shot at some point. He's even better at second base. He has more power than Bastidas does. Um, you know, it's, I keep saying this, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the future is bright. You know, these, these prospects are, you know, I'm, I'm glad the Yankees in a way, the spring training worked out the way it did because now the prospects get a, a, a time to shine and show off their talents and having Volpe being in the opening game where so many fans are excited to see baseball again, giving him a shot to be in front of the fans like yourself that aren't as familiar with Volpe as I am. I think that might be big for them and, and proving the Yankees, you know, Hey, that they might be onto something. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he looked great. Um, I like, I like how Austin Wells looked too, starting the game after being thrust in there after the Voight trade, like he wasn't even supposed to start yesterday's yeah. game and then just told them last minute, Hey, by the way, you're starting because Luke Voigt was traded. He's out of the lineup you're in. And you know, he looked good too. I feel like, you know, I know his, you talk about a future at first base. He might be in the future plans for the Yankees at first base too, because as we both talked about, he might be a catcher by trade, but I don't think that's going to be his future um, in the major leagues. Um, And not for nothing, but he had a nice little uh, Donnie baseball mustache going on too. That looked pretty cool. I feel like it's, it's, um, it's a thing that they've got going on in camp and, you know, he, he sported it for the fall league. He had it last year when the season opened for the Tarpons and then she shaved it off. But I think that's going to stay because it seems to be the trend that when you have a mustache, you perform better. So, you know, well, whatever it takes, if it, if it means you got to be superstitious like that, then so be it. Yeah, man. Hey, if you can rock it, you can rock it. I know I, I, I know I couldn't rock a mustache like that. I look weird. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, me neither. so if he could do it more power to him, man, not hey, I listen, us losing yesterday. Who cares? It's spring training. Yeah. You know, you, you don't care about the results. What you care about is what you see during the game, especially from the young kids and and from the major leaguers, because you want to see if they're rusty coming in you don't want to you don't want that first game to happen and let's say Kiner Falefa doesn't get that initial single and you know he looks sloppy or he looks you know rusty and he hits a pop-up to like the pitcher or something in his first at bat and goes over two or over three how many however many at bats he gets you're you're not gonna well, knowing Yankees Twitter, they would. I was going to say, you're not going to overreact off one game, but, you know, it's, it's, but at the end of the day, it's also good to see that something like that didn't happen and you see these guys come in ready to go. So it, it was, it was good to see. It was good to see what we saw both from the major league guys and the minor league guys, regardless of the outcome. Yeah, and, and as we record, the Yankees are currently playing in Sarasota against the Orioles. There is no TV feed. There's not even a game day because there's no um, low-A team in Sarasota, so they don't have the cast equipment there, the TrackMan stuff. So it's you're looking at a box score. So it's kind of like almost watching a complex league game. 
Um, but I did see on Twitter that Donaldson did hit a, a, a bomb to, I think it was right field is what I read. To center field. I'm looking, was a center I'm looking field. at it now in the in the scoring plays on, on my MLB at bat app. Yeah. He, he hit a fly, he hit a home run to center. And then we were, I was speaking about Oswaldo Cabrera. It looks like uh, Cabrera did come in to replace Donaldson um, at third base. I think it sounds like they're going to give him reps, see what works out. And then maybe that kind of builds their plans as far as, you know, who are we going to play where? Because Peraza, Jose, uh, not Jose, Oswald Peraza is at uh, shortstop today. Um, so, you know, that might be uh, a future that we see some sometime later in the season, maybe come August. You have uh, Oswald Peraza at short. You have Oswaldo Cabrera at third. Who knows, Anthony Volpe, maybe he shoots up through the, the minors and maybe we see him at second at the end of the year. I think they're going to take their time with Volpe. Um, I don't think he's ready for the majors just yet, but like you said, he was impressive yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, he, he didn't look overwhelmed. On the contrary, he looked pretty comfortable over there at short. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, looks like we'll see a, a variety of, of talent. They looks like they had Wellington Diaz pitch for a little bit. Um, I'm really surprised to see him them throwing him in there because – he had a, a five and change ERA with low eight Tampa last year. Um, I think they're just trying to push these guys and see what happens. So um, we'll see, I guess. Uh, but that's it for Do you. Sorry, John, sorry to, to cut you off. Do you, especially, and, and we can end with this um, because like you said, we could very well see an Oswald Peraza later on in the year. Um I think you said Oswald Peraza or, or yeah. yeah, right. So it, it goes back to my initial question um, regarding Glaber and especially if they sign um, a Trevor story, who knows, maybe that signing happens after we stop recording and, you know, we will have something new to talk about in the next episode, but do you think, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think Glaber stays here long-term or do you see him getting moved? especially with these kids coming up and Glaber not really being able to fill in as short and his only position being second and us having a gold glove second baseman and DJ LeMahieu ready to play. I'm kind of curious what happens with Glaber because he and Gio were a really good combo. They're, be they're best friends, even though Gio's on the, on the twins, you know, I mean, in Florida, they're not that far apart. They may be two, I think two or three hours apart from each other as far as Tampa and Fort Myers. I'm really curious to see what happens in the year because he's going to miss his right-hand man at third base shortstop, you know, wherever they, they were to play. But I don't see much of a future with Glaber. The, the, the middle infield is, is too full of prospects. You have Trey Sweeney, um, Volpe, you have uh, Peraza, I think Vargas or Sweeney get traded at some point, you know, if, if it means they move those two guys to keep Glaber because they believe in Glaber, then, you know, maybe that's what happens. But if Glaber performs like he did last year, and there were some times where he, he performed well, and there were some times where he had trouble running down the bases because he didn't feel mm -hmm. like it is, is how it looked. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think they, that's something that they really need to consider as far as when it comes to promoting these guys, I don't think Glaber's going to take well to being benched as far as 
playing Volpe, Peraza, Cabrera, whoever over him. And not just that. Remember, like I said, what happens if you sign a Trevor Story? Yeah, and I mean, if, really no, no room for him, you know? That would be the same situation that they have with Rizzo is, you know, you have Rizzo, what do you do with Voight? So you have Story, what do you do with Labor? And then you have all these other prospects coming up. It'll be interesting, man. So that's all for this week. Uh, we'll be back with more baseball content in the upcoming weeks. Now that we have baseball to talk about, uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, where we'll take some of your questions for upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>